This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. This morning we have two scriptures, both very short. Turn to me to Genesis, the fourth chapter. Starting with verse 8. Genesis, the fourth chapter, starting with verse 8. Tragedies are... Coming. I said I was going to do a Wilburn. And it reads, 8th verse. Reading from the ESV. It said, Cain spoke to Abel his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel? your brother. And Cain said to the Lord, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Turn to me, turn with me to 1 John. One scripture in 1 John. Third chapter, verse 11. And it reads, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Amen. Today, as I was telling you, I'm using technology, so y'all bear with me. Today I want to talk about, to you about the heartbeats of a dying church the heartbeat of a dying church. A few statistics I want to start you all out with, and I think this is probably why this song's been on, that song was on my mind the whole week. As I was reading some of the statistics for the United States, I realized these few statistics. First of all, I want you to realize that the human heart beats at a rate of 80 times a minute. The size of a fist, it, it beats about 115,000 times in one day. It pumps through your body about 42 million barrels of oil, I mean of blood, in a year. I went to all. <laughs> During an average lifetime of 79 years, the human heart will beat more than 3 billion times, that's billion with a B, pumping approximately 1 million barrels of blood throughout our body. Another statistic that 
got me was, according to the Center for Disease Control, the CDC in Atlanta, in 2018, over 2,081,531 people died from the top leading causes of death. According to the Gun Violence Archive, the one that traces violence in the United States, as of August the 5th of this year, August the 5th, which was the 217th day of the year, 255 mass shootings occurred in the U.S. alone. There have been 33,327 total shooting incidents, resulting in 8,796 gun deaths and 17,480 as of last Monday. Those were the injuries. According to the National Alliance to End Homeless, in 2019, in the state of the homeless address, they reported that approximately 552,830 people were experiencing homelessness in the United States on a single night. 500,000. Five, 500,000, 552,830. According to a new report by the National Nonprofit Hunger Free America, which I try to keep up with because of my area of content of work, nearly 10% of, of, of employed U.S. adults, now this is not counting the people that's, people that's unemployed, of the employed U.S. adults, a total of nearly 15 million people lived in homes that couldn't always afford enough food. Amen. A lot of times we think of the homeless and the hungry as being people beyond our walls here in the church. We believe that people on the square, under the bridge and such. The statistics goes on and on and on and on. In our daily lives, we use the stylized human heart as an emoji for love in our letters, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, so commonly that we sometimes fail to realize what it really means. For you all, it's not technology savvy. This is it right here. It's nothing for us to pop one of these up there on someone's message. If we had an emoji over our heads as we walk through the streets, throughout the duties of our jobs, throughout the hallways of our schools, which would it be? 
Would you be displaying this one? Or would you be displaying this one? The emoji for hate. As we meet people in the street, when someone comes up to us to ask for money, for food, for shelter, will we display the emoji heart for love? Or will we display the vomiting face for disgust? Think about that a moment. Because we see these people every day. We see these people in our jobs, in our churches, in our streets, at the stoplight. Do we take time to ask ourselves, what do they need? What help can I provide? In the simple account of Genesis, we are confronted with a myriad of firsts. The first biblical account of sex, the first pregnancy, the first delivery of a child. In this account, we have two brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain the oldest, Abel the younger. The first of two kind. The first two pairs of siblings, brought up in the same house with the same two parents under the same rules and regulations. Enable the older, the younger, we're introduced to the first shepherd, the first time a human being chose the profession of their father. The first member to the Hall of Fame, which is outlined in Hebrew 11. The first martyr for truth, which is told in Matthew 23. In Cain, we find the first human child. We also find the first person to follow what he wanted to do. The first ever account of God rejecting a worshiper. The first biblical account of murder. And the first appearance of the word sin. In the book of Genesis, in this chapter, we also find the first acts of worshiping God, the first display of people bringing offering to God. Here we have two brothers worshiping the same time, the same God, came bringing of the first fruits, of the fruits of his soul as an offering to God, and Abel bringing in the fat portions from some of his firstborn of his flock. The Bible says, unbeknownst to us, for some reason, 
The Lord did not look favorable upon Cain's offering. We can't speculate. But he is pleased with Abel's offering. It also says that instead of upping his game, instead of becoming better, instead of doing a little bit better, he decided to get angry with his brother and downcast his face. He began to become angry, which is never a good thing for a Christian to do, no matter what the situation is. Cain instead invites his brother out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and kills him. The blood from Abel's body saturated the ground. The first display of blood sinking into the ground. Here we have two men made in the likeness of God, worshiping the same God, the first representation of how the saints of God should treat each other, committing the ultimate crime upon the other. Now it's easy for us to get down on Cain. All my life, Cain has been the villain. And we've always thought of ourselves as Abel's. <laughs> Y'all know how that works. We always want to think the best of ourselves, especially as Christians. But how many of us can actually see the Cain in us? Come on, I'm reminded of, a, of an account one Sunday, and for failure to, if the person's in here, I'm not going to say who it is. Uh, it happened right here in this church. A few minutes right before worship, a few minutes right before worship, a young man, man came to the door, and Sister Maddox spoke to him, ushered him in, was glad to see him. And he said to her that, I'm hungry. Can you all help me with some food? Now, the thing about this man was, he didn't look like us, meaning that he didn't have his three, two, three-piece suit. He didn't use all the conventional words that we use, you know, I'm blessed and highly favored. Y'all know, know that? Oh, Jesus is with me today. Hallelujah. He just came in. He didn't have those hidden tattoos that a lot of us have of the lives that we supposedly left behind. His tattoos was, they were unashamedly and confrontably out in the open. He didn't know who the deacons were. He didn't know what procedures that we had in place for receiving the outreach that he so desperately was seeking. 
He only wanted to know if we could help him get some food because he was hungry. And this is a church. This is nothing new to First AB. For all of the guests, this is nothing new to First AB. Something so simple, we made so complex. We called our person who was in charge of outreach. He was unfortunately out of town. So he suggested, at least I was told that they called, and it was suggested that we make an appointment for him on Tuesday to get him some food. But the man was hungry right now. As we stumbled around trying to figure out what to do, what kind of emoji do you think was over our head in the mind of that man? It wasn't, it wasn't love. After a long ordeal, we went on and on for a few minutes. After a long ordeal, Deacon Sanders, in his suave and contained demeanor, y'all know, he saved the day and he said, uh, I'll take him to get something to eat. All of us were so preoccupied with the notion that we would be late for worship that we've forgotten how to take care of a simple need. So the good deacon, Deacon Sander, took the man, knowing that it would make him late for worship. Now, how hard was it for us to do this in the first place? Many times in our attempts to do things in decency and order, we lose focus of the situation at hand. We often murder the word of God and his gifts with our policies and our procedures. We just simply overcomplicate things. We add requirements on others that God didn't offer or require of us. So, in an attempt to break it down real fast, what does Christian love actually look like? Christianly love should be kind and gentle. Taking in the feelings and the insecurities of those around us. It should be empathetic and sympathetic to the needs of all men and women who we come into contact with every single day. We as Christians should be able to identify the need with quickness and sharp precision even before the person comes up and asks us for help. And with open arms, we should meet those needs. Not only in actions, but with the same grace and mercy that Christ has shown us over and over and over again. In the passage, Cain gets bigoted with God. God comes to Cain and he asks Cain, he says, Cain, where's your brother Abel? Cain answered the, the Lord with a question. He says, 
Am I my brother's keeper? This is a question that we ask ourselves over and over and over and over again. We usually poke fun at it. But today, First AB, I want to tell you we are our brother's keepers. In funeral processions, I often quote a passage. I often read a passage as we're coming down the aisle from Psalm 39. No one ever pays attention to what it's actually saying. But for some reason, it has always haunted me, even from a young child. And it says, Surely every man walks in vain shadow. It says, they busy themselves in vain. Actually, King James say they disquieted themselves in vain. And it says, he heaps up riches, and he does not know who will gather them when he's gone. Never have I ever in my life seen a hearse Followed by a U-Haul truck. Never in my life have I seen a dead man go to Bank of America and withdraw money. Often we're so consumed with making sure that we have enough of what we want and what we need that we forget what we're supposed to be doing. We forget that we have a calling to fulfill. A calling to reach the masses. Yes. A calling to feed the hungry. To shelter the homeless and to make a disciples of all men and women. Do you realize that if a community of saints would just be a little more gentle, a little kinder, a little more understanding, and maybe we could curb this castle of hate that's through running rapid throughout our communities. Each day we stop the heartbeats of that little girl and that little boy that comes up to us for insight and understanding because we don't have time. We spill the blood of our co-workers and our caretakers that only want to learn and be a little bit more like us because we are afraid that they're going to take our jobs or they're going to get a promotion over us. Watch out, preacher. We must be willing to give our time, our love, our compassion, and our money. See, we'll give our times sometimes, sometimes. We'll give all our love. We'll be very compassionate with you. But when it comes to bring that wallet out, that's a whole nother stuff. Girl, you know I got to pay my light bill. I got to think about me first. And I told you I was going to do a Wilburn. How should we love each other? How should we love each other? How should we love those people in this world? 
The life of Christ outlines it throughout the whole Bible. One of the five Gospels that we have to read, some people will never read any of them. But I guarantee you one thing, they will read the Gospel of you, of you, and of you. Your actions speak louder than your words. So how should we love each other? The same way Christ loved us. How did Christ love us? Christ loved us so much. (laughs) He loved us so much that he who was born of a virgin Mary came down through 42 generations. Although he did no wrong, he loved you and me so much that he suffered miserably under Pontius Pilate. And the crazy thing about it is the same people, the same people that loved him a few days earlier, the same people that yelled, Hosanna, 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 marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. They put nails in his hand and they put nails in his feet. They went so far as to mock him and put a crown of thorn on his head and they hung him on that old rugged cross. The blood of our beloved Savior spilled to the ground. But even while he was hanging on that cross in agony and pain, he still took the time to be kind to those around him. He was kind to those that was hanging beside him and he forgave those that hung him on that cross. Displaying love and compassion and total forgiveness. Because of his imaginable love for us, he died so that we might have the right to the tree of life. He hung there all day Friday night, all day Saturday, all night Saturday night, but early on Sunday morning, the sun began to shine. And he rose with all power, power over the death, power over the grave, and sent back his Holy Spirit from heaven's heavenly seat so that we might be able to love each other, to carry each other, to guide us, so we can do better each and every day. And one of the things that makes me excited when I get to this part is I could go through this whole Bible and lay it out to you. But nothing hits me so personally as to remind you as when the time that God came into my life. Because I was in a world of sin and sadness. I was lost one day. Rushing on and on in madness in a downward way. But then a tender voice came calling lovingly to say, follow me. Follow. Come follow after me. So why on this day would you not want to be like Christ? Why would you not want to serve a Christ like this? Why is the answer. Church, today I want to tell you, as a congregation and as individuals, we have to do better. We have to do better to proclaim the word of God throughout this land and this country. We have to love our brothers. We have to love our sisters. We even have to love those that has hurt us. And we have to love those 
that despise us. We have to hold up the bloodstained banner for our Lord so that we could win the disciples of all men. That's it. I told you I was going to come with a short because there's nothing more that I need to say. There's nothing more that need to be said. Every Sunday, we gather in here. And the funny thing about, the funny thing about church, the funny things about church is we have everyone mixed up together. We have this idea that in church, everyone is saved. We have an idea that everyone, the person that's sitting beside of us, knows God and has professed Jesus as head of their life. And it's so easy for us to think that. Because we come in and we dance to the music and we raise our hand and we yell at the choir and the preacher. And yet still our brothers and our sisters are on their way to hell. Today, two things. Y'all can stand. I'm not gonna, I told y'all I wasn't going to hold you long. Because y'all know I can go a long time. Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.